This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 5, Making a Writing Life. This season is a little bit different, you'll find, as it's a solo season. For a long time, I was really nervous even to do a solo episode because the basis of the show was interviews with amazing people. And once I started doing solo episodes to wrap up the season, the idea started to take hold that there was more I wanted to share than I could, you know, sum up in one final episode. So this season is going to be a series of slightly shorter conversations, but on topics that are essential, I find, to writing. And what I am focusing on are the obstacles I faced and that we all face as writers and creatives in making time for our writing and making writing the focus, if that's what we want. And so this season, I'm going to take those themes, those obstacles, one at a time and talk about how I address them. My solutions are by no means the solutions for everyone. As you'll see, some of them are kind of extreme, and I certainly understand if you don't want to take that step. But I hope that by looking at the questions that I asked and the issues that I considered and the the conflict or the considerations and the priorities that I had, that it will inspire you to consider those questions for yourself and to see what the right fit is for you. Because we're all different and we want different things from our writing. We want different things from our lives. And so five years in to the secret library, we're going we're gonna to talk you and me. And so what I want to ask at the beginning of this season is what is the goal you have for your writing? Goal can be kind of an icky word. It feels really hustle culture and feels like an energy of grinding something out. So I don't want to introduce that question in that sort of spirit. It's more in the space of when you think about writing and when you think about when you were little and what you wanted when you thought about writing, what did you imagine? What did you hope? What was your big dream? That's what I mean by the goal for your writing. Maybe the dream for your writing is a better question. I encourage you to journal about that if possible, soon after listening to this episode, because we're going to come back to that question at the end of the season. And I think that once we've considered a lot of the themes that we'll explore together, I'm wondering if that answer will have evolved in a way that feels even like a better fit, like you are easing into a direction that feels really good. At least that's my hope. So I'm going to share a lot more than I generally do about the story of how I built this kind of (laughs) cobbled together writing life that I have. And I don't want you to have the impression that this is some quick fix checklist. You're going to get there in two months 
or even two years kind of solution. This is more a series of wrong turns, mistakes, occasionally getting it right, stories of being too scared to take the step that I wanted to, and the consequences of ultimately making those choices. This process has taken, it makes me a little ill to say it, 19 years, because it began when I was 25, and I had finished my master's degree in psychology, and I was in a program that I was really excited to be a part of as an intern and about to be a registered intern to become a psychotherapist. And while I had loved studying and while I loved working with people in certain capacities, I realized that this was not the direction I ultimately wanted to take. And the reason I didn't want to be a psychotherapist was because I wanted to be a writer. And I realized that I had been building this process. I had been taking all the steps that I had taken because I was fascinated by people and how they worked. But what I really wanted to do was write about them. And so at 25, I left my perfectly good job, determined to figure out how I could become a writer. And part of the part of the process of coming to that was that my grandmother died. And I remember sitting at the bedside with her and thinking about both her and my other grandmother who had died a few years before and thinking about all the choices that they wanted to make in their lives that weren't available to them. My father's mother desperately wanted to study physics in high school. She was very smart and fascinated by pretty much everything, as I recall. And she went into the classroom in high school and sat down. And the teacher looked up and said, I don't teach girls. Get out. And she had to leave. So she spent her whole life reasonably angry about not having access to the experiences that she wanted. And so I thought about that, and I thought about my other grandmother and things that were denied, both of them, because of the time and place that they grew up in. And I realized that if I wanted to be a writer, I wasn't honoring the options that I had in that time and place by not being a writer. And so emboldened by this, I decided I was just going to become a writer as if I knew what that meant. And so I knew even at that time that there were a number of issues I had to address. The ones that I was aware of at 25 were I knew I needed to make money in some way and I needed to deal with both income and debt and I needed to figure out what work was going to look like and how that was going to fit together with writing. And I needed to know how much control of my time I was going to have as a result. I also, having studied psychology, was concerned about what kind of stress I was able to put myself under in terms of working very long hours and then spending time writing. And also just the, you know, the various frustrations of what kind of work I was going to take on. I realized that 
being a psychotherapist, the stress level was too high and it was too draining and I had no energy left to write. And that was part of the reason that I stepped away from that work. So mental health was a big deal. And later, along, along the line over the past many years, the additional issues that have come become clear to me are the need to figure out creative input and not necessarily feeling inspired because I don't think you need to have that wake up in the morning. There's like a Disney movie of bluebirds swirling around your head with joy as you sit down to write. That is absolutely not necessary in order to make progress on a project. But I do feel that having input of things that are meaningful, rich, confronting, challenging, delicious, and inspiring is necessary for me to keep writing. Basically, I need to read a lot and consume things that are exciting to me, and I need to have meaningful conversations with other people about writing in order to be excited to write. So it took quite a while to figure out what that recipe was. So we will be talking about that. And a huge one, huge, is boundaries. And boundaries with yourself, boundaries with other people. And this, again, was one I struggled with for such a long time. And so I'm going to spend a good chunk of time talking about that this season, at least how it's needed to work out for me. And then finally, the idea of delegation and prioritizing. So do I need to do every single thing in my life? Are there things that I can give away? And this was not available to me at first because of issue number one, money. But as I evolved and as I had increasing control over my circumstances, that was definitely an issue that came in and one that's made a huge difference in terms of what I've been able to write. So those are the topics that... I see us covering this season. There may be more that pop in because as we dive in, there's going to be more and more that I realize that we need to talk about. However, I want to start right at the beginning and let's just get into the money, shall we? Because the question of day jobs is something that comes up consistently in classes with clients and also with members of the Secret Library Cafe. And so I want to talk about the day job situation today, because I've tried pretty much every day job that's available. And I think it boils down to what fits and what your priorities are for your circumstances. So in terms of getting to where I am now, a couple of choices I made from the beginning so that you'll have a framework for how I ended up in the day jobs I ended up in. Um, I decided pretty quickly that I didn't want to make book sales my primary income, that that was never my goal. I didn't want to be, you know, the kind of person who was independently publishing a book a month and building up a, a library of, of income generating writing. That wasn't the way I wanted to write. And so I knew I needed a job to cover my expenses. 
Um, I also didn't want to write on that schedule given theme, mental health and inspiration. I knew it just, it just wouldn't work for me to come up with a new idea and churn it out that quickly. I wanted to take time and linger with books and go really deep with them. And also the, the longer I have gone on, it has been a huge priority for me to be able to take breaks. And I've known this since I was a little kid, but this has borne out over time that I function really well on a Northern Hemisphere academic calendar. So I like a chunk of solid work starting in September, where we are now at time of recording, and then a break around Christmas. And I like a chunk of solid work starting in January. I like some kind of spring break and I like a low key summer. That's just been I've, I've always known this, but I, I sort of didn't let myself admit it or try to construct it for ages and ages. So that was another priority that's emerged. And the other thing was that it was important to me to experience both independent and traditional publishing. So I wasn't only going one route. I felt that depending on the project I was working on, there would be different needs for that project. And so once again, uh, given that the income was not coming directly from the books, I wanted to have options. And I also wanted to be in conversation with other people. And that started out with the podcast and talking to other authors and working on this. But also it was important for quite some time to have day jobs that were in some way related to writing so that I was having a conversation and still feeling engaged with writing as I worked as much as was possible, but not in a way that was so closely related that I would be exhausted. And this was, you know, a back and forth kind of dance. So a short list of day jobs I have had since leaving the process of becoming a therapist at 25, I've worked in a knitting shop. I've worked in a bookshop. I've worked in marketing in various capacities for various companies. I worked as a project manager in a number of different places, one of which was as an editor of a publication for that company, and then moved on to be a proofreader and worked at an ad agency, and then um, evolved into being an executive assistant. And I've also been a teacher, both of English as a second language and also of creative writing. The other track alongside that, so those are day jobs where I'm working for someone else. And that was really for a long time what I believed was the only option in terms of making money as a writer. I did have my own business in my 30s alongside working day jobs, and I was building that slowly. But lest you think... <laughs> given that I have my own business again now, that that was some easy, stress-free kind of process. My first business died a very dramatic death in 2008 because I had a small client list and I was slowly emerging. I didn't have a podcast at that time. I wasn't particularly well-known and I wasn't as focused in what I was offering and who I was working with. So I had some clients, but it wasn't really enough to cover everything. So I had a small business, a day job, and then 2008, the crash hit. And 
everyone had to change their priorities in terms of what was worth spending money on. And my services were optional. And so the entire, you know, the entire client base pretty much dried up overnight. And so it's very interesting to see that versus the experience I've had over the past couple of years where I was for many, many, many years terrified to start another business because it wasn't just that the clients went away. It was that all of my savings went away too. I went from having some decent savings to absolutely none in 2008. So this built terror at the thought of it being on me again, of me being the one in charge, of of not having any sort of company or support outside of myself to rely on. And so I was unwilling to consider self-employment for basically 10 years. And so I don't consider that lost time because I learned a lot from these jobs, but this is just something to know. What is your risk tolerance? And essentially the questions that I had to ask myself were, how much money do I need to make? And what is the priority here in terms of money versus time? Because what I found in the course of having the list of jobs that I described is that the access is, you know, the more money you make, the less control over your time you have. And that's when you're working for someone else. And the the more control over your time you have, often the less, um, the less money you make. And this was true pre-COVID because a lot of this was happening before the pandemic. And so I tried lots of options. I tried walking to work, you know, having a job that was close enough. I had jobs that, where I was commuting as much as an hour each way a day, and that really destroyed me. And I lived in an incredibly expensive city. I lived in California for 20 years, but, and I lived in first San Francisco and then in LA. And maintaining the standard of living there was brutal. And the community was amazing. So I made so many wonderful connections. I took wonderful writing workshops. I was meeting amazing writers all the time. And a lot of the early, you know, success of the podcast was being able to just go to a bookstore event, meet an incredible author, buy their book, talk to them and invite them on the show. So living in a big city was a mixed bag because the cost was excruciating. And so over time, I started to think about this. What is the most important thing for me? So I encourage you to think about this. What kind of situation are you in? Because at varying points, when we were dealing with debt, we had to pay off. Or when there was a health concern in the family, the priority was absolutely making more money and having health insurance provided by an employer as we needed to in the US. So when that was the priority, it was about taking the job that made the most money we could get. However, there were also times when the priority was, I can't keep up that pace forever. I ultimately dealt with burnout that was pretty extreme after having one of those jobs for about three years. And so the priority was, what can I do where I have the shortest commute possible, where I have the most flexibility and control, yet I still make enough money? And that was when I went into a project manager role and was able to at least take a breather in between pushes. 
and had some say in when I showed up in the morning, when I left, and that the experience of having some agency was hugely healing and essential. So that was the project manager situation. And I was always looking at the people around me as sources of inspiration and material. Because there's a, there's a mug I remember from NaNoWriMo's shop at one point that said something along the lines of, be nice to me or I'll put you in my novel. And absolutely true, 100% true. Something that I'm always telling clients and students is that the thing about day jobs is that the mindset I needed to adopt when I was in one that was a bad fit, but it was necessary was that I chose to think of myself as a spy or someone who was undercover and that I was undercover and I was doing research for a novel. And for whatever reason, doing that job with that headspace made it doable. Maybe not 100% of the time, but because there were points when I was working like 100-hour weeks and had very limited time off and didn't get comp time and, and all kinds of really intense stuff. And, but just thinking, okay, I can use this. I can use this. And I remember reading this somewhere. I wish I could remember who said it, that there are no bad days. There's only good material. And that's definitely something that I've taken on. So if you're stuck in a job and you need that job because you're in an expensive city, because you need healthcare, because your family needs you to be in that job, whatever reason it is, that isn't, it, it doesn't make writing impossible. And just because writing isn't happening right this minute doesn't mean that the seeds of writing aren't forming for you right now. I, I had one job that really, I remember calling my boss. There were these long meetings that went till all hours that I had to be in. And I remember calling her and saying, I'm going to die in here, aren't I? And I really believed it when I said that. And it's the, the relationships that I had and the people that I interacted with and got to know, some of whom are still friends because it really was like going through the trenches those experiences and that emotional reality, I'm using it in my writing. And I wouldn't have access to that experience without it. So if you're in a job that's really, really hard and taking a lot out of you, sometimes the best thing to do is just to journal and to know that as you make a writing life, there are going to be periods when this is necessary. You know, if you have we had a chunk of debt we had to pay off. And so there was no option. I couldn't, I couldn't dramatically walk out and throw my cell phone into the fountain like in Devil Wears Prada and say, ha ha ha, I don't need to do this anymore. It wasn't an option. And so there will be phases like that. However, I always held this beacon and this hope. And this is the other question that I'll leave you with at the end of this episode, which is, if you had total control over what your working life looked like, how would that work? What do you want to do when you wake up in the morning? How do you want to organize your time? How do you want to make this work? Because the weird thing is, 
I always had this very clear sense of it. There was, and it was visual. It wasn't necessarily a list or something I could have written out on a calendar. I knew I wanted to get up in the morning. I did not want to be rushed or pressured first thing in the morning. I wanted to have some coffee. I wanted to sit with a journal and I wanted to sort of allow myself to wake up slowly. And then I wanted to be able to write in the morning. And then I wanted to deal with the rest of the world in the afternoon. And I didn't have a clear sense of how this was going to happen. I didn't, you know, I didn't have like hard details nailed down. It was just an image that I kept coming back to. And I had a sense of a desk with a window and, you know, there were wood floors and all that kind of stuff. I can still see that room. It is not at all what the room I'm in right now looks like, but who knows? There's still time. And so with this as a compass, with this as a navigation, I kept making choices and I made tiny choices, tiny choices. Is this 1% closer? And I tried not to make choices that took me further away from that. If there was a tiny choice that could get me a little bit closer to that, then I leaned in that direction. And so over this series of tiny choices over 19 years, I now do get up and drink coffee and linger over a journal in the morning. And the reason for that, which I could never have anticipated, is that I live in Europe and people aren't up yet who I work with. Um, The majority of my clients and students, I have some in the UK, but the majority are in North America. So I don't, I don't need to be on for them in the morning. And I didn't have that clarity. So this is something to ask as well is to get clear about what's important to you, but not to be too attached to what it looks like. And yes, I said I made some fairly extreme choices along the way, one of which was moving 6,000 miles to a different country, a different continent, and to a place where the first language was not my native language. So not everyone is up for that. However, as I navigated based on the priority of, I want to get up, I just want to have a cup of coffee without needing to rush and run off somewhere, I was able gradually to get there. So as we wrap up this first episode and consider day jobs, think about what the priorities are right now. It may be money for you. It may be that there needs to be a certain level of income, but it may also be that with reducing some overhead, looking at ways you can need less outlay per month, you could have less income so that you have more control over your time. Everyone is at a different stage. Everyone has different needs. And I hesitate to even say this because we've heard it so many times, but we are in weird times, people. So there may be factors that are true right now that won't always be true. And so we have to take those into account. But for me, having a clear lighthouse of where I wanted to go without specific details, more the the image and then navigating slowly towards that was how I just realized this year, oh my God, I actually, that is my image. That's what's happening. And you can get there, not in five minutes, not in five weeks, but you can get there ultimately. The first thing to do is to be clear about what that looks like 
and then to start navigating slowly towards it. Okay, that's our first episode, and I'm thrilled to be sharing these conversations with you. If you'd like to stay connected and discuss this further, there are some exciting things happening with this season. The first of which is, in addition to the podcast, we are doing some short videos over on YouTube that really drill down into particular concepts. So if you'd like some actionable steps and some more about pros and cons and weighing day jobs and how they might fit for you, head on over to our channel at YouTube, which is linked in the show notes. In addition, you can get letters every week from me sharing more about my experience writing and building a writing life in general by signing up for Footnotes, my newsletter. That is also available via the link in the show notes. And in addition, those who subscribe to Footnotes get access to the community we have, the Secret Library Cafe, where there are wonderful people also building writing lives, and there are discussions happening all the time. Over there, I do a bonus monthly Q&A, so you can submit questions for that, and that's available to those who subscribe for Footnotes. And finally, if you're on Instagram, please do follow and check in. And on Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central European, I do lives where we chat about writing topics and so we can interact directly. I would love to see you there. Until next week, happy writing and thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.